Welcome back to Open Source Startup Podcast. We are Tim at Essence VC and Robbie at Cowboy Ventures. Super, super excited to have Ascari from Ivan. It's a cloud data infrastructure company. So welcome, Ascari. Thanks for having me here. Well, we've been looking forward to this for, for some time. So why don't we jump right in? Let's go back to where Ivan started. So where did the idea come from? What was the inspiration for it? And like, at what point in time was this? Like, bring us back to the start. So I've been working on Ivan for almost eight years now. So I started working on Ivan with my co-founders back in 2015. There's four of us. We're all software engineers by background. And we always worked on the kind of the infrastructure stack of, of uh, software. So all the, you know, like we like to call it like the invisible plumbing of the internet, you know, networking, security, databases, all of these things that everybody relies on, but when it's fully functional, nobody sees them. We've been working a lot around the open source databases over, over the years from like 2005 to 2010. And we saw that we're you know, fixing the same kinds of issues when it comes to scaling and maintaining and managing open source databases again and again. And uh, we thought, hey, there must be a better way to do this. So we we founded our first uh, company in 2011 with my co-founders, but we quite accidentally got pulled into helping companies again with you know, so, you know these technologies and solving the same issues again and again. But we really never wanted to be consultants. We wanted to create a product and a platform, something that we as developers would have loved to use, something that made open source accessible to all. And that's what we... We started building building in 2015 when we, in many ways, kind of burned the ships and and uh, killed off the consulting business and, and focused on on building a product and a platform. I think most of us probably heard of Ivan when it comes to already you have a bunch of open source managed databases and definitely seems like we heard there's a mixture between like on-prem and cloud. And so maybe you can talk us through maybe the story of how he started with using open source projects and how you decide to start a company and there's so many choices here actually, right? Mm -hmm. What kind of hosting, what kind of product, even what kind of open source projects. So there's a lot of like these matrix of choices. We'll have to kind of hear how it more from early beginning and so Yeah, 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 makes sense. Over the years of of building different kinds of applications, you know, we always, you know, ended up building applications on top of different kinds of databases. And and when we got the choice, we always like to go with the open source ones. No Postgres uh, specifically. Now, early on, when you build complex applications, you know there, this was a project uh, that often took long. Where you looked at how are we building the application, who is it serving, where it's going to be hosted, what kind of you know, infrastructure is backing it, and as developers, you know, software developers, we were often quite frustrated with the lengthy process of of dealing with different kinds of stakeholders. You know, the IT departments of of our own company or IT departments of of a potential customer's company to try to figure out what kind of servers they should buy their basement full of before we've actually written any software that's supposed to be deployed there. And how we were, in many cases, I think, forced into kind of suboptimal solutions because of these constraints around the infrastructure. So when when AWS uh, took off and started to be more and more popular, making you know all of these infrastructure issues and infrastructure setup problems, more like software problems. You know, you could call an API and magically get access to all the compute infrastructure that that you ever wanted to use. We thought like, this is really what we as developers have always been waiting for. Something that allows us to control more of the stack in terms of software. And back in 2015, when we started building Ivan, 
we knew that we want to target the cloud and we don't really care so much about working on on-premises systems anymore. We believe everybody's going to go to the cloud. It's just a matter of time. And I think now in 2022, when we look at the world, there's still tons and tons of companies building on an on-premises environment, but very, very large part of the industry has moved to the cloud and many more are currently on their way there. So Ivan is super unique in that you support so many open source technologies and you have your own open source tooling. And I guess when you were first starting out, what did you decide to support? Because I imagine that deciding like the first couple of things in order to go after a certain like part of the market, that decision is probably not maybe super straightforward or maybe it was kind of walk us through what, what that decision was and where you started. So our first product that we wanted to create an offer to everybody in the internet, right, was Postgres as a managed service on top of Google Cloud and AWS. AWS already had RDS and some other like database services also around open source technologies. But for example, Google Cloud didn't really have any open source technologies at the time and, and neither did Azure. So we wanted to make Postgres available on all these clouds and really operate with the same model as what you would find on, on you know, GCP or AWS or Azure. So kind of paid by consumption, paid by the hour, and uh, you know, available uh, just through an API, API click or API call and, and a click on the UI. But to implement this, to make Postgres available as a managed service, we needed a whole stack of technologies and tools within Ivan to run it. And at the time when we started building Ivan, we had spotted this very, very exciting open source project called Apache Kafka that we thought would uh, fit nicely in the architecture that we had in mind for our own software stack. So we started building Ivan around Kafka and we fought many battles with managing Kafka in a changing cloud environment at the time and realized like it really is uh, a tough piece of software to manage in a, in an environment that can change underneath you, as uh, often happens in the cloud. So we thought like, hey, you know, when we see how difficult it is to manage, but at the same time, like how much value it provides, what kind of new paradigms it enables for software developers, we thought, hey, we want to also take Kafka in front of our customers, make it available as a managed service. And that's what we did. The same thing applied for Elasticsearch that we used for our own logs, for instance, and InfluxDB that we used for our own metrics. So we implemented a lot of these different data technologies in-house at Ivan before we had launched any of them for our own customers. When you think about a complex internet application that's dealing with data, you often need to use different tools to process the data in different parts of the, your, your stack. So you know, metrics, logs, relational data, data and event transport, caching, and so forth. So we wanted to offer a great solution for each of these use cases. And that's how we built Ivan. That's how we made these data technologies available to our customers through Ivan. So as I mentioned that Amazon, Google, and most of these cloud providers, they do provide a managed service for databases. And I see you launched the first product Postgres back in 2016. And looking at the first console and how your experience it definitely, I can't remember exactly the details of what happened to 116 for what Amazon, you know, managed product looks like, but it definitely looks not as great as it was Ivan has put out. You can't use Stripe billing. You kind of have to have, you know, it's a very convoluted process, even though it feels like a managed product, right? I feel like Ivan definitely has a much simpler experience to use. 
So I want to talk about what is your main value prop when you talk to your customers? Why, why, why Ivan? Why use our products? Is it a multi-cloud? Mm-hmm. Is it user experience? Like what was the main things you were selling to folks about? So simplicity is definitely one big, big uh, theme. We want to make all these technologies very simple to use and access for developers out there. The other thing you mentioned, you know, multi-cloud. So that's important, you know, get, getting access to all these technologies on the clouds of your choice. But when you think about like, you know, going for the clouds of your choice, going for the open source technologies that, you know, you heard of, what we really try to do for our developers, for our customers, for our users, is to not force them to learn yet another new thing to be able to build better software. There are so many choices out there for, you know, people looking to build something new. And more choices doesn't always mean, you know, you have a better outcome. What we try to do is is really reduce the cognitive load that's imposed on people who are just looking to build something new, build the next application that they want to get in front of their customers and their users. And I think I actually want to emphasize the users bit over the customers bit. Because a lot of what we are doing is really about the people who are using these technologies and how we are enabling them to build tools and technologies and applications for other other people out there. It would be helpful to go into when you maybe landed your first customer, because you have huge customers on the platform now, Toyota, Comcast, Atlassian. Can you maybe talk through like the first big customer win and what what that was like, like how you initially met the customer? Because you do have kind of a unique go-to-market versus a, a traditional open source company. So when we started building Ivan, so we bootstrapped up the company. So it was just the founders built, doing everything we had. You know, we self-funded the, the first phases of the company. And, and that meant that we also um, did things our way instead of actually bringing in experts who, who would know uh, how to do things like you know, product launches and marketing and all that. So when we launched Ivan in, in uh, 2016, we just had this, this thought that there must be other developers like us out there who would appreciate what we do. We launched Ivan on Twitter out of all places, and uh, we thought we'd perhaps find our first customers from kind of close to home, other software companies in the Nordics, or, you know, maybe if we get really lucky, somebody from the Bay Area would sign up. But the first customer that signed up for Ivan was a Mexican trucking company. And this was a really cool eye-opening moment for us when we realized, like, all companies are becoming software companies, and, you know, everybody's using software in their businesses. But very, very few companies are actually in the business of managing databases and managing this infrastructure. So after that, and ever since then, we have been focused on just making it easy for people to discover us and discover the value that we can provide to them. And this led us also to acquiring Atlassian, as you mentioned, as one of our big first customers for Ivan. They were looking to use one of the open source technologies that we had had been offering as a managed service, and they just wanted to focus on building their own applications and technologies without having to maintain and and manage this additional piece of the stack that was not providing direct value to their end customers. So that's super fascinating because I think for Ivan, you know, when I read your early sort of one of the earliest talks, Postgres performances on different clouds, right? I saw you did a presentation slides back in 2017. One thing that jumps out was your benchmark comparisons was all European regions, right? It was England and Germany. And, you know, since the starting place for Ivan was in Europe, I assume most of the companies, most of the private users are all based in that region. But it sounds like your first customer isn't. Trying to piece together, like, do you have like a geography focus 
since you've started a company, like, did you start to go after certain kinds of companies? And mm-hmm. does the nature of those companies, what are their most typical solutions for databases are? Because from your slide deck, I saw you're mostly comparing rolling your own versus using a database managed service. So people seem like they haven't made the choice yet for the mm-hmm. customers you're talking to. So just curious, yeah. how did you go to market started? Did you focus on the region? Did you focus on certain kind of customers? And how did that grow? The way we started offering Ivan was really, really like just making ourselves seen and available. And we didn't really think things through much, much further than that early on. Uh, so I mentioned we launched on Twitter. So we did some, you know, you know, Twitter ads. Then we started doing like Google ads to drive traffic to our website. But it was, and it still is largely a kind of a self-serve model. So anybody can sign up for an account and add their credit card to the system and start using uh, Ivan and, you know, become a paying customer. And uh, you mentioned, yes, we are European based and, you know, all the founders today live in, in Finland, although we you know had people living in other regions at, at times. But early on, most of our revenue was actually coming from the U.S. I think we were doing like 70% of revenue in the U.S. in the first couple of years. Of course, all the numbers were also kind of tiny, but you know, just showed that that we had customers from very far away from us. There was no inherent reason why they couldn't become our customers and, and use our, our products and use our, our uh, platform. I think very early on, we also landed our first customers from uh, APAC, from Indonesia, which is a, a strong region for us in terms of revenue uh, still today. We also pretty early on landed our first customers in Africa and in South America, but today, you know, the largest regions by revenue would be North America and Western Europe for us. But I think a lot of what we what we started doing back in the days nowadays called product-led growth, but we had never heard of the term at the time. So just you know, iterating on the product, making it better for our users, listening to their feedback, and like removing blockers from, from them, like removing blockers from other customers from like being able to sign up, being able to benefit from our products. And just being able to show value really, really quickly—that's something that helped us more than than anything else in the early days. So I'm very curious about your early support model because I think before you raised like a more significant Series A, which it looks like was around 2019, you were already supporting so many technologies, and you hadn't raised that much. And so, just like as far as offering support for so many different types of data infrastructure products before you had, I imagine, a a big team? Like, how did you figure out how to do that? It all, I think, goes back to our founding team. And um, some of the, like, tenets that we built the company around, especially early on, where, like, we kept kept repeating these things, like simple solutions for complex problems, automating everything, and hiring the best people. And really, like, the automating everything piece was something that we, I think, maybe you could say focus too much on in the early days. My co-founder, Mika, always says when you give him the opportunity is that, you know, we're inherently lazy people and lazy people don't want to do these things. So we automate them away. Of course, it turns out that automation and implementing automation oftentimes is actually a lot harder than solving the same problem manually, you know, a hundred times. But when you automate this, it allows you to really serve users and customers all around the world with relatively little manual effort involved. And this is something that that allowed us to scale early on to quite large numbers. But it wasn't all all just you know walk in a park, not at all. Like it's it was really a lot of work and I you know oftentimes um, also quite quite tough decisions that we had to make 
to make sure that we have people able to support the customers that really, really matter to us, the ones that are using our platform, the ones who are relying on us and who we are also relying on, on to be able to grow the business further. So our founders uh, were you know, wearing many hats, taking on customer calls, support calls at any time of the day and, and any day of the week for many, many years. And still today, we are close to our customers. And that's what, what I think all, all founders really need to do when, when you're building something for a wide audience. I asked um, our friends IVP you know, about what questions we should ask you. And you know, I got the question that I'm actually super curious too, because I think you already mentioned this a little bit, of how do you actually choose what open source projects do you, know, you want to support? And continue mm-hmm. to, to build what's what how do you choose the next project you want to be able to host? And you, I think sounds like early days was mostly since you built Postgres first and you said the platform requires you have different pieces and you started to roll out those. But after that, right, there's a lot more pieces that come, there's like ClickHouse and all the other ones you come up with. So maybe talk about like how did you choose what projects you want to be hosting and what does that internal process and decisions sound like? The thinking there has always been like, we want to offer the best solutions for each use case rather than offering everything that's available under the sun. And we launched Ivan with basically a set of six different open source technologies. And, and it took us quite a while before we would have added the seventh one and the eighth one. And we quite deliberately chose to focus on these technologies. Although we do offer kind of a wide portfolio, we also want to make sure that we go really deep with all the technologies. And, you know, you don't just get kind of easy access to, you know, Postgres or Kafka to, you know, play with it, but you have to be able to rely on on that for large, you know, highly scalable production use cases. So once we had launched Ivan with the set of six, we thought like, hmm, so what's missing from the portfolio? Like, uh, looking at how are our customers using Kafka or Elasticsearch or Postgres, like what else are they using in their products and their stacks? And you know, one of the missing pieces for us was a horizontally scalable database system for people for whom like Postgres was not scalable enough. And you know, I'd like to say that Postgres does really scale very, very far. So I think a lot of people could could just you know continue working with that. But we had people who really wanted to use, you know, Cassandra or something like that. So after spending more time with those customers, we chose to implement Cassandra as the next service for our stack. And that was the seventh one that that we added to the mix. The other thing I'd say, like, you know, on relational databases, we had Postgres. That's what we launched with. And that's what we had been, you know, big fans of and contributors for uh, many, many years. But of course, there's other relational databases out there, namely MySQL, also coming from Finland, where we are based. So many people were asking, like, why did you offer that? And uh, eventually we started offering it after we had a had a big partner talk to us about how they want to build on, on MySQL. And that ended up getting added to the portfolio. More recently, we have been watching kind of the all the work in the analytics space and uh, kind of lack of great open source solutions there and had been tracking ClickHouse actually for a couple of years, talking to our friends in, in different companies here about how they are looking at ClickHouse and how they're using it or planning to use it. And that's that's something that led us to start building a managed ClickHouse product for Ivan. And that's what we'll uh, launch and announced uh, in our conference in September. And it's, it's going to be launched uh, in uh, GA now in the next uh, couple of weeks. 
It's super interesting. And I, I want to talk a bit about how, how you talked about Ivan, especially in the early days, because now you support so many different types of technologies, so many projects, and calling it like a, a cloud data infrastructure platform is pretty broad, but you kind of, that fits what you cover now. But early on when it was just, say, Postgres, how did you talk about the company so that you didn't get interest in folks where they're like, oh, it's a cloud data infrastructure platform. What does that mean? What do you support? <laughs> to be candid, it was much easier to describe what we do when we were just Postgres as a service. Now we are like, we're offering a suite of different technologies and, you know, you could say database as a service, but you know, Kafka is not really a database. So it's, you know, we offer these different software infrastructure technologies, but that that's, you know, also a mouthful. Like you don't really tell people like, oh no, it's data infrastructure uh, as a service and, you know, doing this and that and blah, blah, blah. So I think we have to take a step back and look at like, so why does any of this matter? Like, who are we offering this to? And we see that, that you know, who we are offering Ivan to is software developers out there. And we want to, as I mentioned previously, make things simpler for software developers and reduce the cognitive load there. We like we really want to empower the developers, make their lives better. And that's something we captured in our mission statement. You know, we want to make developers' lives better and we want to empower them with the best data technologies. Now, what does this mean? Well, it varies to different people what exactly it means. And that's, you know, also it's a good and bad part of the platform. But because we build so much on open source and you know the number of developers out there is growing all the time i think we are we are uh, addressing a, a really really interesting crowd today and so sounds like there's probably a lot of lessons you learned trying to be hosting you know existing large open source projects into products and i definitely seen there's like a little bit of repeating value props or or content you use for different services, like benchmarking performance definitely comes up a lot. So I've seen Kafka, you see Postgres, and see different ways how you talk to your customers about how to sort of create the brand of Ivan. Maybe talk about some of the early explorations and ways you want to create the brand and what the kind of content you focused on evangelizing the kind of products. Because one side is definitely talking just about the products you offer. But there's a lot of talks actually doing generally open source related, you know, your own projects or talking about the communities. What are things you've learned being able to sort of like get into the existing other projects and sort of establish your brand there? Things that you, you did really most effectively well there. Well, I think one thing that that has worked quite well for us and which we intended to scale up up uh, quite significantly was just being present in the local meetups within the local communities in different parts of the world. And I think like I really like kind of the grassroots movement around different open source technologies, you know, being there where people are actually discussing these these technologies and not just being there with a kind of a commercial agenda, but being there like genuinely talking about what are we building together, talking about like you know some of the war stories of how did we build and scale different technologies what did we learn what kind of improvements we we could share with the rest of the community or contribute upstream and early on when we when we went into into some of these meetups we thought like hey those could be also great ways for us to you know find other people who are working with these technologies and who might be looking for a you know, job with us uh, we didn't end up hiring a whole lot of folks from meetups but we actually found many interesting customers through these these meetups you know with 
like-minded folks looking at technologies like Kafka and like looking at how could we you know implement the new new version of my you know company's architecture on top of Kafka and thus uh, you know thus forth. Unfortunately, of course, you know COVID happened in 2020 and our plans for much bigger presence in, in meetups around the world had to be scrapped and, and we ended up doing a lot of virtual events. But frankly, I don't think the virtual meetups ever ever really uh, you know, took off the way that that all of us you know would have wished. Of course, you know, doing virtual events allows more people to participate from different parts of the world. But I think there is also a very much of kind of a human connection that that you need in these communities. And that's hard to mimic with a virtual setup. The other thing I would say is like, so we built Ivan around open source technologies and, and all the founders have been like you know, big fans of open source and, and occasional contributors, but our open source like work or open source contributions weren't really being like directed so deliberately for some time during, during uh, Ivan's journey. So around a year and a half ago, when we also announced our Series C funding, we announced the launch of our open source program office, and uh, I'm really happy how that has has taken off. And we today have a have a large team of uh, full time open source contributors who are working only with the upstream communities around the key open source projects. We also, you know, doing this one to put our money where the mouth is and, and contribute back to the communities that we rely on, making sure that they are also thriving and. We are able to to give back to these these communities and these these projects. Yeah, it's a super interesting point because a number of competitors are also like managed cloud services on top of the projects that you also cover. Th- those folks are also contributing to those projects. So how do you see those like a confluent with a Kafka or other folks offering managed services? Like when you talk to customers, is it really the breadth that Ivan offers that they're looking for, or just like how do you play with the other? managed cloud services that that are in similar spaces yeah so of course we compete with with uh, many of these companies when it comes to you know specific customer cases but we're also very very happy to collaborate with them when it comes to the open source technologies and of course sometimes you know you see that some features may give you know you competitive advantage over the others and you know you may kind of hold back on open sourcing those or making them available but we specifically believe in, in like making sure that those communities and projects are thriving. And the way we, we operate is that all the open source technologies, all the data technologies that our customers get access to are entirely open source. So any data that the customer stores with Ivan is running on a completely open source version of any particular piece of technology. And there's no proprietary pieces like dealing with, with that data. We do have our own proprietary like cloud operations platform that's taking care of you know, provisioning of resources and, and so forth. But there is no proprietary fork of, of Kafka or Postgres that we operate at Ivan. And you know things like you know schema registry that Confluent originally created for Kafka under an open source license and then switched licenses. So we've ended up implementing you know a clean room version of a similar technology that's API compatible and works with, with the ecosystem. And we have absolutely no problem with Confluent changing the license in the project that they created and control, but we believe in you know also providing open alternatives to the community. Yeah, just hearing you describe it, it definitely reminds me of the Hortonworks Cloudera era. So uh, people are contributing to the same projects, 
but also competing a lot on the commercial fronts. Comparing to that versus what you're doing, you're competing in many fronts because there's many, many open source ecosystems here. I wonder how do you sort of prioritize your focus and ways you want to be able to contribute? Because obviously contributing to open source is, uh, especially databases, is not a small thing. You'd have to have people actually have enough domain knowledge, get into the community, build the credibility there. Right, but and then still be able to have maybe some influence on the project because I think when you looked at Cloudera Horton Works days, it was about who owns what projects. Even back in the, you know, there's there's a lot of open source battles we've seen between many many entities with either other projects. What is your philosophy when it comes to like having open source developers being part of it? Do you try to be able to influence some level to it, or do you try to have some contributions, right? But we don't want to try to be putting too many eggs into everywhere. It's just curious, like how you think about when you have an ecosystem yeah. large, so many of them to play with. It might be not easy to start thinking about like how do we place the right bets on what projects on. Well, it definitely isn't easy to figure out where exactly we need to focus. And then even if, if you choose where you want to focus, to your point, like finding actually the developers who are able to you know, step up and start contributing in these, these ecosystems. So we have a couple of different ways of looking at this. So firstly, like understanding like what are the most important open source projects to us. Many of them are, of course, the ones that, that you know, drive the largest share of revenue for Ivan. So things like Kafka. And it's very important for us to be able to give back to the Kafka community, but also to be able to make sure that features that matter to us and matter to our customers are being prioritized. And if we don't have anybody working on the upstream Kafka project, then we rely on contributors from Confluent or contributors from you know, Facebook or some other company to you know, implement the features and, and hope they, they also share the priorities I do at Ivan, which is not always the case. So we want to make sure that we are able to, to get the things out that we need. There's also, you know, fixing bugs that affect us. And you know our model of running Kafka is slightly different from anybody else's model of running Kafka. So sometimes we run into, into issues that nobody else has seen yet. Or you know we operate a very, very large fleet of Postgres services. So you know we have bumped into an identified box that nobody else had, had uh, bumped into, but ones that affect our customers. So being able to, to fix those and uh, being able to tell our customers that we are actually fixing them, not just waiting for the community to do something while we, you know, twiddle our thumbs is uh, a requirement. And people actually ask us about this. You know, we've had, and I've had multiple conversations with our customers on like, do we actually have you know, the capacity and the capability to, you know, fix things when needed? So these are, are really, really big uh, like business drivers for us. But when it comes to also like figuring out, so how do we in practice do this? There's not that many people out there that are existing core contributors to these projects. So we also need to be able to like develop these, these folks and enable people who are not yet contributors to become them, those. So one of the things we do at Ivan is that we have an internal open source program we call Plankton, where we encourage anybody in our staff to you know, contribute to open source projects and they get you know paid a little token amount in exchange just to you know encourage more people to to give back uh, to the communities and sometimes this is a very powerful way of of introducing people to communities that that they may otherwise have missed and uh, i think it, it works very well for us and the, and the communities 
So I want to chat about building a company that has a global focus, but is based in Helsinki. And I think post-COVID, there's been a lot more open-mindedness from like the Silicon Valley venture community to funding companies that are based in different places and a number of VCs have opened offices in Europe, but you've been kind of operating there for, for some time and maybe just chat through like some of the benefits of having a team based there. And it sounds like you have folks kind of remote, like partially now, like how have you thought about building your team and where did it start versus where is it now? So we were indeed founded here in, in Helsinki, but we started building a global customer base really from, from day one. And you know, we're running a 24 seven product for our customers. So we need to have people available at all hours of the day to look at any potential issues and to support our customers, even though we don't try to automate away as much as possible. Sometimes you still need you know, humans in the mix. And it turns out that you need to be close to the customers at all hours of the day, which, which also makes a lot of sense. But instead of do, trying to do this all from Helsinki and having, having people over here work nights, we pretty early on started scaling the company also in other, other uh, parts of the world. So we launched an, a team and an office in Sydney and Boston when we were just like 35 people. So pretty early on for a company of our stage, branching out to Sydney from, from Helsinki. But we really intended to build the company around our offices and you know to build the culture around those offices. But then the, you know, the pandemic began in 2020. We were a team of like 50 people. And uh, because everybody had to work remotely and because we already had people in five different countries at the time, we thought, like, why limit ourselves just to these you know, cities that where we have offices? And we started hiring hiring people pretty much all over the world. And today we have a team of more than 500 folks with roughly a third of them here in Helsinki, another third in other parts of Europe, and the final third in Americas and, and in APAC. Being able to operate across different geos and in different countries has really been a benefit to us, although it hasn't really been easy. It's been a lot of a lot of work and required a lot from our culture to, to be able to, to support that. Yeah, it's really amazing because I think Ivan definitely defy a lot of common belief of even investors, I believe, right? They say don't compete with the cloud for a while. And now you don't compete with people that owns the projects as well. And now you compete with all of them. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, we've been... We've been rejected by a ton of, of different folks around the world. And, and, you know, some of those folks we stayed uh, friendly with and, you know, are still in, in touch with. And it's it's uh, been a very cool exchanging experiences with them over the years. And I mean, all startups really, what they start to do is like build something that will prove the rest of the world wrong, that they were wrong about something. This thing about, you know, every good idea looks like a bad idea before it's obvious. That's really what we have been doing here at, at Ivan. And uh, we just had a very strong belief in what we are doing it makes sense for ourselves. And there must be other people like us out there that allowed us to start start building something that wasn't so, so exciting maybe for a bunch of folks early on. Yeah, it's really an amazing story. I imagine early on before you had the traction that you do and the proof points, it would have been hard to find people that would believe in this kind of mission. And, but to your point, it's not obvious until it is. And then at that point you have big companies that have already been built like Ivan around it. I'm wondering if you can kind of chat through some advice that you would give kind of other founders. And in this case, it's kind of unique because it's not just, you're a very unique open source type company, but I guess when you kind of look back on things that 
you wish you knew earlier or pieces of advice or big learnings that, that you like to pass on to other founders? What would be some of those? Well, I think when we look at the kind of the open source space and, and um, you know, the software space, now I'm an engineer by background, as I, as I mentioned. And I think I'll, like there's a lot of hard engineering problems that we have been working on and that we're still working on. And, and it definitely isn't always a walk in the park. But when I think about scaling the company, it's, of course, like building up all the functions that I'm not so familiar with that have been the hardest. And you know, when you are, you know, you raise venture capital funding for the first time, there's a lot of talk about, you know, your go to market and, you know, building up sales, scaling marketing and all that, which makes a lot of sense. You know, that's what you sign up to do, you know, taking the, the company further. But there's not so much talk about like, how do you like deliberately invest into, into your culture or into your people? And at the end of the day, people are, you know, what makes a company. And it was really kind of an eye-opening moment for me when we brought in, in our first head of people to work with me on many people-related topics. And that's something I wish, you know, I would have done sooner, but I just didn't know until I you know, ran into this, these issues. And then I, I ran into somebody that I wanted to hire to work with us on those topics. And that's, that's been, a, been a, you know, one big learning that I, I often share with other founders. And maybe last question here, where does Ivan become? Because I think, you know, we haven't really seen companies like yours exist in this scale before. And we'll be curious, do you go further than data infrastructure? Because there's actually so many open source projects out there. Or where do you think the next five years of Ivan will look like? Five years is a long time in our business. And uh, I don't pretend to have all the answers for that. But I think what we are doing and what we started out doing is still really, really exciting and relevant today. So I think we hit a couple of the right trends with you know, cloud adoption, developer empowerment, very much related to cloud adoption. I think developers will have an even bigger say in how the world is being built in the future. And we we're very happy with this development and look to keep working on making developers' lives better. A lot of this will be related to how do we manage some of the you know, most complicated pieces of software for them on their behalf. But there are also a bunch of other you know, problems that they're having to deal with today that we think we can solve in an efficient way for them. So that's how we look at the world and the opportunity ahead. Awesome. Well, I think that's a great note to end on. Thank you so much, Ascari, for doing this with us. It's just a, a unique and fascinating story. So I think our listeners will learn a lot. Excellent. Thanks for having me here again. Looking forward to our, our next conversations. 